Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name is Zach, and this week I'm joined by the regular crew. I'm joined by Mark and Logan. Mark, how are you today? I'm doing pretty darn okay. How are you doing, Logan? I'm doing pretty okay. Darn it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm doing well. well thank you. Well, Zach? Zach? well, darn it. I'm feeling darn okay. <laughs> <laughs> I always have the hard job of this. Yep, yep. This made it thing weird now. Decided you know? to Mark do, says a thing, and I'm like, "Cool, I got to play with that. I'm going to reverse it." But you can't <laughs> reverse the reversal. So. At, at least no. none of us are KO'd, so that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stuff in the right You're direction. Pretty darn so. KO'd. <laughs> uh, oh man, it has been a rough week for us. Uh, we, we've all been busy doing our individual things, but um, but it's the weekend, and, and we get to talk about tabletop stuff. So I'm. I'm pretty darn excited. Uh, today we're going to be doing a, a regular old talk show, and today we are going to start off uh, with with one of our newer segments, Top 5. So we have a Top 5 here today. Uh, and and we kind of looked over our list and and we decided that uh, we were going to talk about our top five settings today here, gentlemen. Uh, now, this is something that uh, that kind of talking about this beforehand, we realized that uh, this word can have several meanings for different people. So I think this is going to be an interesting top five today. Uh, who wants to start us off? With a setting. Definition of setting in roleplay often gets blurred between what it actually means and what what the user of it means in a roleplay game, right? So setting, if you just like look up the research look up the um, definition, it's the place or type of surroundings where something is positioned or where some, where an event takes place. But that can blur into also genre and that can also blur into a few other things. So leaning on just setting and, and areas. Uh, I'll kick it off here real quick with one of my favorite settings. Um, I always like urban settings. I always like having mm. some sort of urban situation because, you know, there's the feeling of civilization, but if it's a big enough urban area, there's also that feeling of the loss of civilization in kind of like that urban jungle and the back alleys and the dark corners. And there's always something going on, even if whatever you see on the screen is, you know, nice and pleasant and calm, there's always something in the background. Very interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, so that's one of my favorite that's settings. A, that's a cool one. The urban urban setting is a is a pretty a pretty interesting one mm-hmm. because it's kind of relatable too. Mm-hmm. I think we've all been city-ish. in some situation where we've been in a city or we've seen something you know very urban like, and we can all relate to that, no matter what sure. the the genre is or the world or the type of game. Mark, did you have uh, number five for you? Sure, and and I'll probably be coming back to that kind of urbanish feel too later but i have been bouncing around the order of these 
Oh yeah, yeah. This, yeah. this is not going to be an exact order. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I'm going to start off with, and again, I, I kind of, you know, to your definition of of setting, I kind of went more for if I pick up a game, what is a what is a setting that's going to draw me to that game? Mm, so yep, again, that yep. does that does tie into genre. It ties into area, location. Ties into theme. Era, theme. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot kind of going into this. So starting off, if I'm going to go and go fantasy, uh, I I like to kind of go towards maybe Renaissance. First, first of all, low low magic usually kind of low fantasy. Uh, we see this, of course, in Seventh Sea, Errol Flynn, Three Musketeers ish type of stuff. Little thing, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I'm kind of a frustrated animator. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an animator. When I grew up, I studied animation. Uh, studied a lot of that real split second movement so a lot of slapstick i'm a huge buster keaton mm. fan oh yeah um I, I when i studied theater i did a lot with uh studying fight choreography you know theatrical fight choreography not so much real fighting choreography but um right. but yeah so slaps the the battle equivalent of slapstick would of course be swashbuckling so that kind of swashbuckling mm -hmm. action really kind of gets to me i also like the theme especially when you if you're getting into later something that's not so much in medieval fantasy but more renaissance fast fantasy you get a little bit more of that war on science you have science starting to yeah. evolve more yeah and having the that tension between yep yeah the church and everything else yes yes <laughs> the fight exactly. of knowledge versus you know belief or or um it's not just belief though it's like the religious contradiction, but there's also like that feeling of uh, the ignorance fighting against progression. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, exactly. That's also a modern theme. Just really, just yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Ties into modern day. Wow, you, weird. You say? Yeah, I would have never thought. I would have never thought. Thank you for bringing that insight, Logan. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. a surprise. I know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Zach. Uh, for me, my number five, again, yeah, most of these, whenever we're looking at our top five, I think all of us say this, but our positions just shift as we think more and more about these. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of talking about the definition of of setting, I, um, I'm one of those people that that uh, when when looking at that definition, it gets real muddied up with theme as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so a lot of mine has has theme related to it too. But uh, I, I said a, kind of a post apocalyptic setting. Oh yes, um, which is very theme heavy on that post apocalyptic. But now, if you just think about it. All of it's 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 not like an urban. It's like a ruined city. Yeah. It's it, it's yeah. it can be like variations of normal settings. Now, what, is, what does that mean for you when you say that now? Because post-apocalyptic could go from, you know, like we just are coming out from when the nuke dropped to a very diesel punk, you know, society collapsed, but we still have certain machinery to we're recovering in a full society in a small couple of nodes, but everywhere else outside of those nodes, outside of those cities or those places of civilization is an absolute wasteland of scary. We don't know what it is. There's a lot of options for post-apocalyptic. And what's the, what's the first one that comes to your mind? Uh, is kind of more or less just the, uh, everyone's in the shits 
yeah. kind of yeah. uh, okay. we're, we're all struggling, uh, resources are tough. Uh, everything is like you can't find anything anywhere. It's like you're in the thick of it. Nice. It's dark. It's gritty. Sometimes it can get a little pulpy when you get into you know tones and flavors. Oh yeah, totally. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's just a, it's a really fun one. Nice. All right. So the next one I'll go for. I, I haven't done this one a lot, but it <laughs> it is intriguing to me for a short period of time, and I start getting into the idea of this theme and this uh, this setting, and I'm like, that's really cool. And then I realize I really want more technology but uh tribal themes um and i don't mean like you know caveman hunting mammoth as much as like there are tribal clusters um you've got that early you know um uh, tribal european sort of look you've got like the native american tribal look you know there is obviously technology there uh of of you know we're not just using like flint weapons there's you know maybe some some metal working but it's small groups and it's very insular sorts of groups but Everything is limited. Sure, there's steel working or there's metal working, but maybe it's not steel yet. And there's a chance that after you hit your sword against something or whatever, you're going to have to bend it back into shape. Or, you know, right. there's that that um, uh, issue with certain resources. And because there is less understanding of things, there's almost more of the fairy tale dark um, um, mysticism. If I go into the forest, the forest hmm. spirit will probably find me. And what does that mean? You know, and that sort of stuff. So that kind of blurs into, yeah. I don't know why I always think of like the dark forest or uh, woods sort of feeling with mm-hmm. that sort of tribal mindset. Even though most tribal situations weren't, I mean, some were, some were not around forests, <laughs> you know, but that's something that kind of ties together for me. That's a cool one. Nice. Mark? Well, I, I think I'm, I think this one kind of extends from the first one, from the Renaissance mm-hmm. fa- fantasy. For next, I'm going to go into kind of like 1930s pulp adventure. Your mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, Broken Compass type. <laughs> yeah, thing. it contains a lot of the same things. Those kind of swashbuckly slapstick action feel, and in this case, you're kind of bringing in some of the real world a little bit more. Um, yeah, a little bit of what what Logan was saying with the the urban setting, but uh, a little bit more on a global scale. You know, a lot of globe hopping. I kind of like. The idea of being able to hop into Google and get to know a place oh, as yeah, if totally. I'm visiting it. Mm. Yeah, that know, is such as, a useful resource for more modern sort of stuff is being able to use like yeah. Google Maps. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right. yeah. So it's it's a way of, of exploring the world through a role-playing game that is kind of fun. And you still have some of that, you know, especially if you're going to Indiana Jones-ish, you might have a lot of that supernatural, some of the magic in there, but uh, balancing that with the, the science. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, and, and the era is just a lot of fun. You yeah. know, you, you had, you know, you don't have seatbelts. You just <laughs> go, you know? Yes. You don't have seatbelts. Um, We're just doing it. Yeah. And, and if all else fails, throw in a Nazi and, and you're good to go. So. Yep. Exactly. Easy That's backwards. what I got for. Yeah. A Nazi and the occult. We're, we're all good to go. Right. Right. So. Zach? Uh, my number four is, I, I took a, a, a more broad look at this one, but I'm, I'm thinking more of like the real world setting. Hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we've played stuff like uh, Sphere of 77 hmm. and uh, you know, something set in the real world. Uh, it's not the most uh, interesting and unique setting, uh, but I, I think it makes it a little bit easier for people to role play in because you don't have to keep thinking about all these other things. It's the real world. Uh, it's kind of stupid simple. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and I think a lot more people are comfortable with it. So 
um, maybe newer players, uh, getting them into something, maybe having a real world setting might help them because they don't have to focus as much on all of the uh, new, weird, possibly uh, yeah. uh, strange things in, in different settings. Yeah, they can they can just focus on being a person and being, being a you know, person in a situation as opposed to having to worry yeah. about also the lore and the world. And yep, right, right, exactly. Logan? So I want to kind of play off of your number five a bit. I'm going to go with that dystopian thing. One of my favorite settings yeah. is a, a cyberpunk setting, mm. you know, and that, again, leads towards mostly urban or also kind of wasteland if you're outside of the urban stuff, depending. Yeah. But the the feeling therein of the, the neon, the modified humans, you know, people are still people, especially if it's a pure sci- uh, cyberpunk setting, not like a shadow run where they're mixing in magic and fantasy. Mm. But a, you know, we're just people and we're just doing, you know, life and we're just trying to get through and it's on the edge of society. You know, if you see the high end of society, it's not something you can be in very much. You're not invited to. It's always above sort of thing. And so that feeling of uh, the dystopia that things aren't right in the world, um, but we're just making it through. We're just trying to fight through. And, you know, um, of course, cybernetics is part of that. Um, And just I don't know. I just it's very gritty it's very dark <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but in a way that um just feels very compelling you know it's, in the original cyberpunk stuff it's like look how advanced technology can be and yet how regressed humanity can be and also um that <laughs> right. feeling so that's one of my absolute favorites nice yeah that's a fun one i haven't had the pleasure of actually playing in a cyberpunk game Ooh. as of yet but that's it's definitely something that i i would be interested in yeah, I'd, I'd like more exposure to that too. I think that's okay. It, it, it intrigues me, but not. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I think we have the perfect game then. <laughs> we've got a couple. We've got a couple options. We've now. got that's we've true. got one that we've talked about here here uh, back and forth. But true. We'll nice. we'll definitely look into getting into that here in the future. Yes, Mark. For number me, three. Three. Okay, for me, I'm uh, again kind of evolving from my number four and sticking with the pulp flavor, but now I'm going into. Uh, kind of the retro future um like the 1930s science fiction yes uh flash gordon buck rogers there's a game called rocket age that i've been wanting to try rocket Um, yes 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 yeah uh astro venture astro venture one that mark has kind of dabbled with we've played that one in writer um yeah but uh you know again you have a lot of that kind of fast-paced swashbuckly slapstick action usually and, you know, as opposed to the, my first two suggestions, here science kind of takes a, a backseat a little bit. A backseat. You don't really get into stupid magic. Stupid science. It's stupid science, exactly. Yeah, that's so, the term that we use. Yeah, <laughs> you, you get to have some fun with that and, you know, just kind of throw logic out the window and just go all out, to, uh, you know, crazy action. And uh, that's, uh, I think that's fun. Yeah, if if uh, if anyone listening has not listened to our uh, Astro Venture playthrough, well, we we got our buddy Adam Sink That's over right. here, uh, and he had I know he had a blast. Yeah. If anybody, I think yeah. he had more fun than anybody else did <laughs> because he used the old timey radio voice That's for his right. character. That's right. So yeah, that, so, was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a it's a good one to play around with for for a, a little one shot or something. And we played Flash Gordon. We did. Which I which felt pretty fun to me too. So uh Yeah, I, think I like we, that. Yeah. 
felt like we could have gone further with that for sure. It was easy True. to get into it, and it's a very unique setting. Good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. that setting, the setting, and and you know, not to get too into it, but the the system itself is is very nice yeah. to use yeah. and play with. Uh, so it's easy to do the things you want to in, in in whatever way you want to when role playing and doing doing those fun pulpy things. Good point, Zach. For me, my third is uh, we're all just kind of evolving on our last one. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the the setting is uh, kind of horror or thriller. You know, you think that's kind of a genre, but if you think about genre it, theme, yeah. um, it, it's it's kind of you know it's real world setting but you're kind of zooming in a lot of times on let's say a creepy haunted house or yeah. a spooky crypt something yeah. like that um getting the michael jackson it's... dance steps down the though can be tricky <laughs> thriller <laughs> oh man but yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's just a really fun one to to see how people interact with a weird creepy setting and maybe some psychological stuff getting into some gameplay aspects but mm-hmm. but again it is kind of horror and so the 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 setting will ultimately reflect that kind of horror feeling by inducing fear into the players slightly by seeing things in in these locations so Definitely. it's a, it's a fun one it's i i've played a couple games of of dread and that's a fun one to play around with mm. yeah yeah jenga roleplay <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, and you don't you don't realize how intense that gets until mm-hmm. you actually play it. Yep. In a role playing setting, pulling uh, uh, blocks to do things, and and the more things they do, the more likely their character is to die. So yeah, yep. it's a fun one. I think my number two I'm gonna say is Imperial, um, which is very generic and bla- uh, vague yeah. but um let me explain that might go kind of backwards depending on how you look at it, it might also go very very forward imperial tones and imperial uh, setting for a leading power um i like having an empire as opposed to just kingdoms if i'm doing something fantasy because it makes it a very um big power that can be lots of different places and it makes it a big bad guy if you want to have that as a bad guy um i really like star wars and i've run a lot of hours in star wars <laughs> and that you have an empire for most of the time um even you know if you're playing clone wars time period that empire is rising or if you're playing you know old republic there is an empire involved there against the republic you know and, and so it's just like the feeling of that massive power that's just spreading out and conquering or has already spread out and is just trying to hold what they have. Um, those themes are always very interesting to me. You know, uh, I played in a Roman D and D game when I was many, many, many years ago and it had a, a very interesting influence on me because it was just a very different way of looking at the classic D and D, you know, archetype of usually being kingdoms and, um, almost like a dark ages or, you know, city state sort of feeling where you've got yeah. clusters of civilization and then, there's obviously an ancient society that's been lost somewhere and wilderness between where civilization is and where it isn't. And, exactly. and when you have an empire, that's different. That's very different. Uh, you have more political intrigue. You have the possibility of there being, you know, small operators with like more of a roguish sort of element or, you know, playing into those political intrigues. Or you also have the massive elements of like this huge legion or multiple legions trying to crush out people in Germania or whatever, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a, yeah. a huge sweeping scope of possibilities. There's a lot to do in, the, in that, yeah. w- with that kind of idea. 
uh, the imperialist idea. Yeah. I like it. It's cool. Mark? Well, again, sticking with the theme here, build, <laughs> building off the last one, uh, last one I said, of course, was the like pulp science fiction-y stuff. Next, I'm going to go for a little bit more hard science fiction. You know, things like uh, The Expanse or Shroud. Oh, yes. I almost put that on mine, too. Totally. Um, yeah. Uh, something that, you know, you can kind of get into a lot more of the procedural stuff of putting on an air, putting on a uh, vacuum suit, and mm -hmm. do, dealing with the, the actual physics and stuff. Also has a little bit of a kind of a pseudo-nautical exploration theme, oh, yeah. usually. Um, you know, ship you know, ship structure and, and crew duties. Yep. Exactly. Like Anytime and, you, you reduce or remove faster than light travel in sci-fi, mm. you, you make a very different feeling in the setting. And I feel like it's much more um, real and, and tangible as opposed to, you know, cool. I blink from here and I go, you know, however many right. light years away in a half an hour. Yeah. It's yeah. like, no, I actually have to like grind to get there. There's time on the ship. There's, you know, the possibility of worrying about atmosphere and, and yeah, like, Oh, that is yeah. true. That is yep. true, yeah. And, and and that makes it a lot more of a, you know, a bit of an exploration. And you get back into the little more of that science uh, feel, mm -hmm. um, which is which is kind of fun to bring in. You know, it can be intimidating, but it can <laughs> yeah. be fun to to bring in and, and play out. Well, even if you don't know your science very well, just trying to think about that adds mm -hmm. a little verisimilitude to your gameplay, you know? It exactly. makes it feel more real, more tangible. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. My number two is kind of the same. I went sci-fi space station kind of feeling. Yeah, it's just it's it's fun. It's great. I love I love getting into science and and all of the the neat spacey stuff. Uh, you know, even though it's kind of all samey, it's all kind of the same. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's all got this all nice round edges and uh, chrome and industrial stuff you know it all looks kind of the same but it's just fun it's fun to be in yeah um definitely i love it. i love it you know playing star trek and, and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that is always a blast sure all right i'm gonna go for number one on this one give me a ship i like having a <laughs> pirate ship situation i like having the possibility of sailing and you know yes this is where we are but we're going to sail and next week we'll be somewhere else. Tomorrow we'll be somewhere else. And just that constantly moving and that freedom and that feeling therein of, I don't know, just the, the movement and, and that you're not stuck somewhere. You know, you're not just going to be, okay, so this is my setting. This is my theme. This is where I'm at. It can constantly change. And whether that's, you know, a spaceship or whatever else not, I was more thinking pirate ship, but there are space pirates too. Sure. Just the idea yeah, that you're exactly. not held down is a great fantasy. You know, I don't get to travel yeah. every week or every year <laughs> to other places so it's nice to escape right. a little bit yeah it's 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 a real neat one to be mobile it, it gives you the opportunity to go wherever you want and do whatever you want to do yeah and whether that's on a pirate ship in seven sea or uh being uh in, in a spaceship in firefly setting whatever yes. you want to whatever you want to do there's possibilities yeah. for that and ships are so beautiful and the feeling of the oh, yes. water and the wind in your face. Sure. And yeah, just there's a lot of sensations, specifically yeah. with the pirate ship. It's just, uh, uh -huh. yes. 
And a little behind the scenes look here. Mark has some sailing experience <laughs> firsthand. True, true. So I'm sure that is a, a wonderful thing to get to, you know, describe and, yes. and experience. Yes. No, no, the table too. yes indeed. no spaceship experience though. So that's no, yet. no not yet. yet. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, I do live fairly close to, to Cape Kennedy, but you know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I think that's, True. I think it's interesting. I didn't pick sailing specifically as a setting, but it, it's interesting how that travel does kind of permeate a lot of, I think it permeates at least all of my suggestions. And yeah. I think, you know, even, even all of some of our other ones, right. it is a big part of the kind of stuff we like. So that's a great suggestion. It's also kind of a cheap suggestion. Cause I'm like, my favorite setting is all the settings. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> that's that's true you can't you can't experience uh, many things fair. with that very very broad <laughs> that's fair setting uh for me i don't think this is going to surprise anybody but uh i'm drum roll here yeah uh here we go, here we go. spy genre here yeah, we go. yeah. Are we saying spy genre matching uh well kind of matching uh, uh zach's Urban. modern day uh mm, you got the yeah. modern day uh thing but but putting that kind of super spy layer over it uh you get more of the more of that globe trotting that fi- that travel of going to exotic places and using your wikipedia to feel like you've traveled to <laughs> you know some place you know you've gone to moscow and or you know gone undercover again you still have that swashbuckly slapsticky action type thing the other thing i really like about modern uh modern day type situation is you're dealing for the most part with humans, which means you get a lot more of the character interaction. You have, you know, intelligent opponents for the most part that you can kind of (laughs) try and bluff and, you know, coerce and, and do some different types of, uh, quote unquote combat with, you know, that kind of interaction. Conflict uh, helps. Conflict, exactly. Conflict, absolutely. and uh, you know, of course, you can still you can still run. You know, still nothing more satisfying than than chopping down a whole <laughs> group of thugs. But uh, you know, the you could also have some of that that interaction. And I also, you know, with, again with the super spy kind of layer over it, it kind of diffuses a lot of the political conflict, the real life political stuff coming into your game. You know, your yeah. villains are over the top, usually, you know, some strange syndicate that's, uh, you know, got a bunch of, of henchmen to do some, you know, over the top, destroy the world type of theme. Um, right. So, you know, you, you can give it a little bit fun and crazy with it without getting too buried under current day politics. So, uh, yeah, because you can all all of the stress is on the task at hand, not what a, what a, whatever everybody else is doing. Yeah, more or less. True, yeah. true. For me, my number one is the medieval setting. I mean, hmm. I, I love the knights in shining armor saving the princess and all that bullshit. You know, it's <laughs> well. Yeah, it's classic. Uh, there's romanticism behind you know the classic setting, and there's also the feeling of a great purpose. You know, it's hard to yeah. feel a great purpose not to not to poo poo on the modern setting. Actually, I, I really like that spy setting, but 
there's not much exciting about filing papers or working <laughs> yeah. at a retail job. I mean, there's a reason why it's like retail hell, you know? And there's something yeah, awesome exactly. about like, I have a great purpose to go save this person, to go slay this thing, to go fight for something and to feel like that, that those noble ideals matter. Exactly. And, and, you know, if there's not all that many grand noble ideas behind it, it can be uh, more or less for your honor, uh, yeah. if anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. sure. Uh, and and let's be honest, I love being at the Renaissance Fair. Um, <laughs> I I have I have been fencing for like six years. Mm, yep. uh, it's <laughs> yeah, I it's I feel comfortable. I've been in, in, in sword play setting. all of my life. I totally relate. Totally relate. It, it is fun. Yeah. There's there's something too. You know, uh, back to like I think one of the first settings that Mark said the Renaissance. You know, there is something to mm. having a sword in there. Guns are fun yeah. and they can be very unique, but I don't care what setting it is. If you can evolve swords as well, that's very yeah. unique, especially that transition between sword and gun. That's very intriguing. And then, mm-hmm. it, or just, just removing guns and removing that feeling yeah. of the modern shooting situation. And you have to look that person in the eye as you cross swords with them. Like, yeah, yeah, there's something to it. And there's moves, you know, seven C does this so beautifully. You have yes. all the moves that you're using, yes. you know, with, with a gun, it's point and click. You know, with a ah. sword, you're you're doing there, there a lot are more of that. other moves, but yeah, it's less personal. It's more it of a maneuvering of, yeah. and less of a stance and strike. You know, right? Of move. Right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's, yeah. it's totally like follow. it's like uh, like Mark mentioned earlier. It's like choreography almost. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. As it it feels like it flows and uh, and yeah, it's it's nice. I enjoy <laughs> it. Nice. But I think with that being said. That will be it for this segment of Top 5. All right, gentlemen. All right. Now now on to some main topics here. Today, uh, we are going to get into something that I have wanted to get into for a while and that is the question of uh, why does mark hate <laughs> house rules I, hate is a strong word it, it uh, is a strong <laughs> word it it has been so it has been stated in the past that mark does, is not a fan of house rules what? we really we really haven't talked about it much yeah i, I guess we haven't have we it, no. I, what i would say is is not so much hate but <laughs> It, it's certainly a red flag. Nothing will scream, will send me run screaming from a game faster than house rules or homebrew. Those words okay. just. Okay. So that's a question here we want to break down. And I know I'm becoming the definition guy, but there is actually a strong <laughs> difference between house rule and homebrew. Mm-hmm. Good point. Because a game might have optional rules that are included in the game, and it's an option for you to include it. And so, therefore, your home rule says that, yes, my, my home rules, my table rules is, yes, we do that. My home mm-hmm. rule is also, no, we don't look at our phone until we do a break. We're going to do a break in an hour and a half or whatever else not. That's home rule stuff as opposed to home brew, which is where I'm playing the part of the game developer and I am designing That's fair. something, you okay. know, and I'm changing the rules to fit something that I would like to have happen in this game. Okay, yeah, that's fair. For that, for that so, house rules, I'm all for, you know, don't okay. look at your phone. Yeah. Pitch in for the pizza. Because there are some people who you don't want to see it exactly as don't be no optional rules. They just want to see it exactly from the book, and no, none of the optional rules are allowed either. You know, so that's that's also a thing to look at too. 
Right, and and there's there's True. another dividing line too. Is it an optional rule that's in the book, or is it something that the game master has completely drawn up from scratch? Right, that's that's um, a homebrew with with no testing or backing whatsoever. <laughs> right. right, and and you know again full full disclosure here. First game I ran was uh, Star Trek, uh, the Fossa Star Trek, and yeah. it was kind of heavy on you know very tactical combat. But there was a thing in the book that said, or you can just ignore all this and just do kind of like a theater of the mind. I don't remember what their terminology at the time, but essentially, you know, just kind of make it up in your head. And I grasped that and I went for it. It was in the book. It was, it was not adding or changing. It was kind of just kind of taking away some. Um, and that worked pretty well for me, I think, and for the game and, and overall and something I've always kind of leaned towards. So I've I've done this. I I am, you know, I have done this myself. But my my trepidation there's three parts of it. First part is if I'm reading some rules and I see a rule and think, okay, that doesn't make sense. That's that's not going to I'm going to change that. There are two possibilities. One is a whole group of game designers, editors, playtesters, layout artists, uh, players all miss that. They don't know what they're doing. They're all incompetent. Thank God I'm here to catch it. Or B, <laughs> I didn't understand that enough to, to know what I'm reading. Occam's Razor says I need B. to put a little more effort into seeing how this integrates into the system and, and what the problem is. Um, most times, and again, this is this is a generalization. I have no statistics to back this up at all, but I think a lot of times, a lot of the uh, game masters just go in and just wash over those sort of problems mm. when uh, you know when they see something, rather than putting in the effort to really try it and integrate it. Yeah, I think that's a huge, huge point. There is, you know. When you see something written in a book, you may be used to something else, um, mm -hmm. but try it. Try it as it's written in the yes. book. And we see this a lot with people coming from a common like D&D, &D, Pathfinder, standard, we might say, roleplay situation, where most people yeah. seem to get introduced to roleplay, to yep. something like 7th C and not understanding how the turn or you know the process mm -hmm. of a combat situation goes. And they try and, I don't know, okay. hard brew it, basically. Like they try and yeah. put in the harder rules that don't work for that system. You know, try Correct. it as it's written. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Uh, exactly. se second part of that is, you know, it kind of build off, to build off that. Once you start pulling threads, if if you don't really, especially if you don't understand how something is integrated, you don't know what other things that that's going to unravel. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a example, when I started playing the new Star Trek Adventures, there was a rule in there that they have traits. And if your trait is inhibiting you, you're supposed to get a, uh, I can't remember what they're called, the, the discovery. But you get a special point. Special point. You get a special point. <laughs> That's so, what we're going to call it right yeah. now. <laughs> so I made a pacifist character, thinking every mm. time we go into, pass, go into battle, I'm going to be inhibited because I have to be pacif pacifistic, and I'll get these, these special points, and I can you know do different things. Well, the game master didn't didn't like that rule, so he didn't give any rewards for me being. Yeah. So now I'm. So now I'm inhibited 
and you know for no no compensation you know which that was you know very you know it causes a which i think that's i think that's i think that's a bad choice. yeah 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 in you know but this is a, yeah right. but it is one of those those examples of you know it i think it was fell into that category of eh, this didn't make sense to me so i just ignored it you know type thing without realizing all the implications ramifications uh well another another example uh going back to our when we first started 7c nathaniel had a uh trait that was opportunist if somebody Mm. paid for a opportunity he could pay to take advantage of that opportunity correct and then what happened was you know when we, we started playing it you were paying for the opportunity and using it with the same rates so yeah. I never had the opportunity to steal the opportunities, <laughs> you know, for for that for that reason. For that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was just all of us kind of learning the system and and stumbling right. through. It. That wasn't yeah. so much a house, you know. But uh, you know, those are some some examples of things. Some that, examples of that. You know. Okay. Now okay. here's something. Okay. Here's something we should talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- what would you consider the Explorer Society stuff in Seventh Sea here? Well, that's, that's that a, a version of homebrewing. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm I'm kind of uh, the that kind of brings me to my third point <laughs> is that a problem I have with you know homebrewing is I feel like it. You know, I've, I've talked about uh, one of my frustrations is players not reading the books and. Um, I have a feeling that if if you're the type who is kind of throwing out making your own rules, that's discouraging your players from reading the rule reading book. Reading the full rule book. Yeah. yeah. Why why should I waste time learning these rules if you're going to be playing something totally different? So, you know, for me, that's a reason for sticking to the book. Now, if you're bringing in something like a you know a recent game, we just we brought in. Uh, Explorer Society rules for 7C. At least that's something that I can hand to each of you and, you know, if you want to read it, read it, you know, don't, but those are in your position, possession, you can see it. Um, you know, you have that you have that at your disposal. But 7C is also a, kind of a little bit of a different animal in that. It is. You're, I think a lot of the Explorer Society stuff kind of layers onto on what's top there. of it adds to it yeah. doesn't change things right so which so I... okay so here's a question then uh, i think I, yes. I think i've got a, an interesting summary i'm gonna put on this but i want to ask one more question before i get there okay um how do you feel when someone has played the core game as it's written multiple times for multiple you know mm-hmm. campaigns not just sessions you know put a number of hours into it and then they start to adjust things. Are you then equally as disinterested? Well, first of all, I need to know that, first of all, if it's just somebody I've just stepped into. But no, I think I think that is that can be an exception. There can be exceptions where somebody actually does know what they're doing. And, uh, you know, there's nothing saying that game designers can't make a mistake. Maybe something right. was a mistake. Um, We've seen it ourselves. We've pointed it out in other game systems. We've seen that sure. happen. Um, so, you know, like I said, this isn't a, a hard and fast, you know, no one can do house rules or no one can do homebrewing ever. Um, no, it's of just, course not. 
it's just a it's just it's a red flag for me. So so this is uh, what I would say is probably the thing the the, the substance if I could assume, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the substance yeah. of what bothers you um, with homebrew situations. Uh, for one, you're a game. It's gonna be a couple points. So sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, you are a game <laughs> designer. You have designed yeah. multiple games that you have actually put into print and put out there for people. You've also uh, designed supplements for people uh, for mm-hmm. 7C. You know, i.e., you've got stuff yeah. in the Explorer Society. So yeah. you are a game developer, game designer, and True. you like and trust that process of writing, editing, testing pushing it against the wall and actually like trying to get down to the substance of what it is and find something that works well. So mm-hmm. I think that's part one. Yeah. And you, and you're all about respecting that process when other people do that, obviously, because you yes. know, you like those main games. Second part, Fair. a role play system isn't a set of rules as much as it is a language. So we can all talk on the same plane, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so rules are a way to communicate who can go first, what things you can do, and when what you have um, to offer in the situation, and if somebody is just making up their own language, that doesn't cause unique new flavors to happen. That causes confusion, and confusion yeah, right. is very difficult to deal with, especially when you are just trying to communicate with each other. And then mm-hmm. now somebody's causing more confusion. Now somebody's speaking a different language, <laughs> sure. or, or gibberish, literally gibberish. Yeah. They're just trying yeah. to make up words and like, oh, cool, spindle flunk. Yeah, that's totally a word now, and we're going to spindle flunk the gibberwats. What? Yes. Get out of yes. here. So, yeah. so that would make a lot of sense because then, you know, if you have something that's been tested, other people have looked at it, it has been whittled down, and the game master or the person who's, who's leading the situation has said, hey, these are what we're doing, and here is the document on how this works, so you can look at it and you can also understand and be on the same page. You have that option mm-hmm. to partake in as opposed to being feel uh, to instead of feeling like you're left on the outside. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I, again, there are, you know, I think a stepping stone towards making this acceptable is if the game master puts out a writes up a document and say, OK, here's something and passes that around. That's helping establish that everyone is speaking the same language. Yep. Right. You know, so that is, you know, that's a step in the right direction. Um, right. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm not saying that this is, it can't happen, but <laughs> I have never experienced a situation where I think there are definitely good situations for homebrew options, but I think yeah. most of the time when somebody says, Oh, we're doing some homebrew stuff that in and of itself is a red flag. Exactly. You know? When, when mm-hmm. somebody even says that, you know, it's like, I brew this myself and it's some sort of moonshine. <laughs> you want to know a little bit more about the process so you don't go blind from wood alcohol. Like there's right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yep. Logan has some great analogies. That I love. <laughs> that <is true. laughs> I like to make pictures, man. I like to have some visual that you can relate to and grab onto. I like to help communicate. <laughs> I like sharing the language. Yeah. Sharing the language. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, this this kind of brings up. Uh, so I, you know, of course, being the curious person that I am and always have been, mm-hmm. uh, I have played around with rules myself in the past. But it's it's less of changing things and more of me going. Uh, you know, when I was playing D anD D Fifth Edition, mm-hmm. or when I was running it, more or less. Uh, I was like, uh, I don't really care about the 
gold or keeping track of that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to really pay attention too much to it. Is that okay with you guys? <laughs> and then they were like, yeah, that, yeah, that's fine. Who cares? <laughs> well, um, and that's, that so is a very common homebrew in a lot of systems. Yeah. You know, and that is probably yeah. a very acceptable homebrew for a lot of people in a lot of systems. True. Yeah. And, and it's just, it just makes things a little less complicated. And uh, so we're not focusing on that and we're focusing on, uh, doing role play and f- focusing on the story and stuff like that. It's less about keeping track of how much gold you have. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's there's um, a funness to that fantasy therein of not having to worry about bills because that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yes, exactly. Uh, but I think you know, kind of thinking about it, um, you know, keeping track of gold and stuff like that is a little less common in games nowadays. I think um, I think there's a difference depending on the setting that you're in, whether resources matter and and if that resource is gold or not. You know, yeah, and, or, or and money. usually usually that that kind of reflects the flavor of the system too. Yeah, if you're doing so, like a like uh, a post apocalyptic and you have to worry about every bullet you fire because you only have thirty seven of them. Yeah. Who knows if you'll find any more? And yeah, you know, I've only got up. a gallon of water or whatever. That's part of the theme because you're playing towards that survival. Because True. you're playing the Oregon Trail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, or if you're playing a trader, and oh, man. that type of you know economics is part of your your makeup. You know that can be. Yeah, yeah. For if, sure. if you want to play that type type of game, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's a Something thought like there. I'm sorry, you just said Oregon dark. Trail, and I was thinking about, um, <laughs> you know, post-apocalyptic, and that changes that game. <laughs> oh, man. oh, yeah. do I have? Do I do I now have to write a? Uh, <laughs> yes, you Oregon do. Trail, <laughs> the the Oregon Trail uh, one shot for you guys. Post post-apocalyptic Oregon Trail. Yes, it's got to be post. Yeah, post-apocalyptic, <laughs> slightly horror setting. Yes, this could be a thing, man. Oh man! You heard it here, okay. folks. You heard it here. This is where it is. <laughs> if you steal this idea, you must also give you know proceeds to. <laughs> oh, but, but do you want it? But do we have to track the the proceeds? We do. Uh, do we? I'll take care of it. It's fine. It's my job. <laughs> Mark, you might die of dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> Curses. <laughs> Ah <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, looks like your axle broke. Ah, but yeah, it's. Um, I, I believe I've heard Mark say in the past economic streamlining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is is a nice uh, a nice <laughs> phrase for that. Yeah, it's something you know. Seven C is a, is an example of something that they've kind of s- streamlined the the economy a bit. Um, yeah, I've been playing. Uh, uh, Blades in the Dark, which is, it's all about these heists and, and gathering wealth. But again, they've they've kind of made wealth this very kind of generic coin. Mm. So you're not micromanaging every single drink you buy and and everything. But you have a a way to measure wealth without micromanaging it. I think yeah, that's an important yeah, thing to have, you know, is, is mm. the option to nod towards that. You know, there's so many things where a heist or a job sort of economy is important. You know, cyberpunk, yeah. uh, thievery, mm. like uh, Blades in the Dark, uh, Firefly, 
Um, mm-hmm. There's so many things where that is important to have that as a a limiting factor for your players. But we don't also want to play accounting 101. Right. That's part of where video games win in a role play situation is because they can uh, cover some of that minutia without you mm-hmm. having to go through there with a pen and paper. Good yeah. point. Uh, we, I mean, we can get into that if we want to. Like, Mark, uh, with with your experience, you're currently running some some Blades in the Dark. Is that kind of tied in with with what your players are doing? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, like I say, they have a, a pretty streamlined uh, um, economic system in that game. But yeah, they're very very concerned about you know we need money, we need finances to. Uh, you need finances to improve your gang, to improve your your setting, to mm-hmm. to eventually retire. You need uh, you need financing. That's you know going the quest for wealth is part of that game. But yeah, but you, yeah, like I say, they they just you know on kind of the the macro level, you still have coin, you have wealth that you're gathering. But on the micro level, you're not nitpicking, paying for every meal and and that sort of thing. Yeah, so. it's more you need X amount of wealth points and less you need 487 gold pieces. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 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 It, which, it's, which I enjoy. Which I, I think it's similar to uh, 7C. If, if you have a coin, you can buy a meal. You're fine. You can't right. buy a stagecoach, but you can you know go into a bar and get a drink without... You know. But if you have three coin, you could buy that stagecoach. Exactly right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It 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 dumbs it down a little bit, but not not dumb in any sense. Yeah. Well, it makes well, it focus on the game you want to play. You know, exactly. Do you, do you want to play that sort of game? That's a possibility for you. You totally can. But most people want to be in the adventure and the action, and you only have so many hours in the day. Right. That's true. Do we have each of us a single homebrew thing that we've heard that is an absolute clencher, yuck, gross, don't go there, like that's just dumb, it never works out. And on the other side of things, kind of like money, is there a homebrew that you've heard that often is used or worked? You know, what's what's one good and one bad, basically? We didn't prepare anything for this, Logan. I know, right? <laughs> that's true. I dropped it on you. Oh, making us think. Uh, well, I'll, oh, you know, this, I kind of started oh, this yeah. off, so I'll, I'll kind of dive in. You know, like I said, I... I've gone straight into the kind of reducing combat to much more theater of the mind and less tactical uh, approach. Um, you know, that's that's one that I felt uh, I felt worked well. Um, I always I always kind of feel bad using maps. I have a feeling that it puts the players in the role of the chess player instead of the chess piece. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm. So okay. Yeah, yeah. I would say that's that's a positive. <laughs> I would disagree. With... <laughs> well, yeah, that, depend, depending on the well, talk, we could talk about that a little bit. That's yeah. that's a, a if if you prefer a miniatures game. Well, well style for me, of game. it's hard to hold multiple things in my mind, and visual references mm. help communicate to everybody where things are. If you know, I'm saying, oh, so there's got one guy behind the wagon, one up on the second floor uh, on the north side of that, uh, a north side of the street on that building, and another on the third floor on the west side of the street. And you're like, but it's a full street. How is there a north and a west? And you're just starting to have a hard time holding these pieces together mm. where things are. Just being able to throw yeah. it down and be like, there it is. Yeah. 
but simplifying it's, it. So it's like, cool. It's I don't know. Helpful, this is an approximation yeah. of how far you'd move, but oh, I'm sorry, you didn't quite make it 30 feet and you're stuck out in the open. Is that the game you want to play? Or nah, it's about there. So cool, you slide into cover. Right. You know, and that adds a little yeah, more action right. feel to it. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah that's that's and, something and, that's something that I like anyway. Fair. Um, fair. Yeah. And that's totally awesome. Uh for more of a negative, um, I think a lot of times, and again, this is this is a generalization, but in, in my experience, when the when you get into the well, I've made a world where they don't use the letter Q, or you know, when they've <laughs> and, and here's a 500 page tome of of all the world that I've created, and you know, that that has a tendency to be you know usually it seems like. Those games tend to be a game master telling you about their world that they created, and you know yeah. you're never going to know what's going on. You were supposedly born in this world, but you don't know it because you know you don't experience it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, again, general generalization, but there's mine. I mean, that's a that's a really good point point there, though. Like, if you're going to have a whole bunch of lore that you like to develop because you like to be a world builder, um, mm-hmm. that's that's cool and all, but um, we want to. We want to play. We want to play a game, please. And so we yes. need to have the option to play that game and discover bits, but also be able to relate to it before we start playing. Not have to read yeah. your 500-page document on whatever crud, because nobody wants to read that. How many people <laughs> exactly. have actually read The Silmarillion? Exactly true. Not yeah. very many, or they're <laughs> lying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I used to, to do some world-building, world-writing stuff in, in 5th edition, because I found fun. it was pretty easy to do um but yeah i would i I would do quote unquote world building like okay you're on a uh, an island continent uh i you know i just i tell the players what they need to know in the little epilogue portion that you write and just read to your players we we all do it we're familiar Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, (laughs) the intro the introduction and uh you just tell them what they need to know and take them through the story and they learn things as they go. And that's kind of part of the fun of things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You get to reveal some of these Easter eggs as, as your characters are going through. But the I story. think, I think that's a difference too. You know, like Mark said with the whole, like, you know, we don't use the letter Q and all that sort of nitty gritty, <laughs> you know, right. one thing is I'm developing my own world and it's got a basis that we all understand. And another thing is, yes, I'm developing yeah. my own world and you know, colors are how people communicate uh, between yeah. things, and uh, elves are actually called quans, and they're not actually elves, but they're kind of like elves. And then dwarves are really kind of, and you just have to make all these exceptions, I before E, except after C, and breakfast, and morning, and I don't know, whatever. Right. That, that it's not communicating anymore, you're just trying to be a, a perfect little butterfly that's so unique that nobody's ever seen it before. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to show off your to. skills. But you're yeah. not. You're just making it confusing. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody knows what Elevensleys is. <laughs> exactly. But that, that is a fun bit of, you know, lore right there that's easy enough to relate to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you were saying Elevensleys is a special meal, a time of day, where we only eat these 17 different things, ugh. Nobody's going to know that. That's one right. of the hard parts no, for people getting wait, into. now I've got to learn... Now I'm going to learn these 17 individual things. Oh, wait, half of these are actually made up. So what, what what is it even? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the hard part for actually a lot of people getting into blades in the dark. Um, if they just want a cool heist system and then they have 
most of that book is about the lore of the world and the months and the days. All have different names and all of this stuff. Uh, heck, even even in D and D, in the what is the current main um, setting of Forgotten Realms, people don't have weeks; they have ten days. Mm. And there are three ten uh, days to the month, and that's yep. a small change, but that's enough to really kind of mess with people, you know. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's a hard thing to relate to. Uh, there's there's a, a a game out there that I have that reminds me of a less uh, less dark and gritty Blades in the Dark, uh, and it is Dusk City Outlaws, mm. and it's kind of a heisting game. You're part of mm. a group, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's pretty generic. Getting into it, it's pretty generic as far as you know. Everything's the same as mm-hmm. normal day to day life, seven days in a week, you know, <laughs> twenty four hours a day. Nice, right? Kind of situation. But yeah. But it's, even it's like you know, if you do do a change like that where it's not twenty four hours a day, you see this a lot in Star Trek. That's part of the theme of that mission. That's not everything in the world, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Good point. It's fun, fun and interesting things to find out about the setting, right? More or less, yeah, right, yeah. But it's, there, there are some interesting, interesting homebrew house rules stuff out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. True. Yeah, I, I will say that the stuff that we have experienced with the Explorers Society modules uh, are are pretty, pretty good things because, yeah, like we've said, Seventh um, C is basically putting layers on top of the the core rule book just to add things that mm-hmm. maybe aren't explored as much in the rule set. Well, I think I think that's just a key point in general with any of that stuff. If you want to homebrew something, go back and reread the rules again. Mm-hmm. Try it out yeah. the way it's written and really try it. Put in some hours in that, whether it's playing some scenarios by yourself and then find a friend, find someone online. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many resources now. Try it that way first a few times. Yeah. And then, and then and look yeah. for options for the thing you're thinking about in a reviewed group, like Explorer Society, like the Dungeon Masters Guild. Like, there's more of those coming out. You know, just groups yeah, that are absolutely. reviewing and actually trying to edit things down. True. And and I think one of the most important uh, key things to to think about is don't go. How do I need to change this? Mm-hmm. Go. Mm-hmm. Why how what what do I want to see more of something in some more depth so well, you're maybe diving deeper into a specific part of something and and you can kind of ask yourself too does this really need to change or am I just yeah. peeing on it to make it mine right you know? <laughs> that's a great thing yes that yeah that exactly yeah and with that being said that <laughs> might round this episode off here yes <laughs> That's a good place to end it, gentlemen. Did I just uh, name the episode? Yeah. <laughs> Does this need a change, or am I just peeing on it to make it mine? Yes. Trademark. <laughs> TM. Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me here today. I had a blast, like always. Yes, indeed. And uh, and uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, because this is this is always a blast. I, I enjoy mm. these these Sunday mornings with you, gentlemen. So. Uh, I, I hope it keeps going for much, much, much longer. True. I'm looking forward to the next one. To infinity and beyond. Wait, we can't use and that beyond. phrase. Ah. Oh, okay. <laughs> edit it out. Edit it. Edit it. Edit it. Edit it out. Get it out of here. And that's it for this episode of Tabletop Radio Hour. Like always, you can find this episode on SoundCloud.com/slash Tabletop Radio Hour and on iTunes. 
You can find us on Twitter at TabletopCast if you have any questions or comments. You can join us over on Facebook.com slash TabletopRadioHour for regular updates. We also have an email address that is TabletopRadioHour at gmail.com. Our website, TabletopRadioHour.wordpress.com. You can find information about our Patreon page on our website. I want to thank you all for listening and keep rolling 20s.